Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. I want to thank you all for being a part of our experience on this, the last Sunday of the decade. Can you believe it? And of course, we're going to talk about the impact of this and what does this mean. But first, I want to take time out to wish and hope that you had a very Merry Christmas and that everything you wished for was under the Christmas tree. And if Santa did not bring it, then send me an email and I'll, I'll let him know that he was a bad boy, that Santa was naughty because he didn't bring you all the things that you wished for under the Christmas tree. I want to thank you so much. We had a restful time. Thank you for bearing with me. I was really, I had no idea how tired I was until I couldn't wake up Tuesday morning. And I just, it was eight o'clock and I rolled over. <laughs> and then I realized you got to get up and start making Christmas <laughs> dinner happen. <laughs> and then it was Christmas Eve and it was Christmas day and Thursday. Oh, it was just fabulous. I am so grateful. I literally feel like 10 years lighter. I feel lighter because I got a chance to unburden myself. And, you know, it's interesting because most of us, we wonder why people go on vacation. And for those of us who are wealthier, right, you wonder why do they go on vacation so frequently? Well, that's why they live longer, because you take more time away. Sometimes you don't need to take all your vacation all at once. You don't need to wait for three weeks to go on vacation. Sometimes just taking four days is enough. Schedule it out, you know, take Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday are mandatory, you're already off, and Monday, go back to work on Tuesday. So instead of doing this, you know, massive three-week vacay, and then you're stressed out because you have the family for three weeks, and that is stressful, just take a four days, schedule it out over the year, and schedule it out. It's amazing what it does, and it makes you feel so much better. And makes you feel so much more rested and in control. I tell you, I'm going to do this more often. Don't know if I'll do it during the week, but I'm going to start taking shorter breaks. Because I kid you not, I've been off since Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four days. I feel phenomenal. My voice is rested. My throat feels better. And I know that you had a good time. How many of you had a good time? Raise your hand. How many of you put a little kicker in the eggnog? I'm pointing, <laughs> right? How many of you had a kiss under the mistletoe? Ooh. <laughs> and just how many of you had a flat out good time? It was just so good to reconnect. Maybe you didn't have family over. It was just you and your immediate family, right? Or maybe you were, it was a friendly Christmas. You just went to a friend's house. And after that, you played board games or whatever or watched something on TV. Right. This this uh, I think it was Christmas night. My daughter and I watched caught up on we binge watch. So there's a series on uh, Netflix that we like called you. The second season was available and we binge watched it all night. I think it was Thursday night 
all night. I mean, we started like at about 7 and finished at 2 a.m. It was that good. And then went to bed and I felt so good. I felt really good. So enough about the holidays. Yes, I did get some stuff under the Christmas tree and I'm very grateful for what I have. I looked around and I realized how many of you get to the stage where you realize you don't need anything? That was me this Christmas. Everything I needed, I already had. So what I wanted, mm, okay, if I get it, okay, it was no big deal, right? But we look forward to greater and better things. Well, it's the last Sunday of the decade, and uh, the decade began in 2009. How many of you remember 2009? So 2019 encapsulates 10 years. So 2020 is the start of a new decade. So 2020, that decade, do you realize it's going to end when? 10 years later will be 2030. Wow. So all the predictions about what the world is going to end or whatever, who would have thought that we're making plans for 2030? That right now, as we speak, social scientists are making plans for 2030. Can you believe it? They're making plans for 2025 Years that seem inconceivable to us. Years that seem like in 2009, we didn't think to 2021. In 2009, we weren't thinking like that. In 2007, were we even thinking that? But yet here we are. It's the next decade. We're on the cusp, and today is the last Sunday. So while we still yet have time, I wanted to take time out this morning to talk about goal setting and to talk about faith within the context of setting goals for the next decade. I remember in 2008 uh, how precipitous things were. In 2008 was when we elected the first black president. Anybody remembers that? And people were so filled with a change had come, uh, a change had come and people felt like, we were on the cusp of something great and something big, right? And it was quite interesting because we thought there was, I don't know, maybe people had higher expectations. I, didn't, I just thought it was just a new thing. I didn't think that there was anything momentous about it. The change that I was looking for was mostly in technology. I did wonder if by 2014, we would have flying cars. Anybody, anybody thought about that? I wondered how were they going to construct garages to park cars that were flying? I did wonder how would cars fly through tall buildings like in Manhattan or even in downtown Detroit where there are tall buildings. I did wonder how, that's what I was thinking. In 2007 and 2005, I was thinking ahead. But you know what else I was thinking? I was thinking of my own personal goals. What do I want to achieve? And how much faith would it take to do it? Well, the first thing that happened, I had three books that I wanted to do. I had already published my first book, Visions, in 2004, right? I am an author, right? So that had already been done. But I had these other two books that I planned to bring out in the next decade. So I began, I sat down and you know me by now, I do what? I write the vision and make it play. 
you hear everybody talking about vision boards and so on. If that works for you, then it works because you have to write the vision in such a way that you make it plain. You have to see it because when you see it, it resonates with your spirit and you tell yourself in your mind that you have this vision that you must accomplish. And so therefore you commit to it. And in committing to it, you start looking for where the resources are and you start planning. And once you commit to it, then you, that becomes your own personal motivation, your own drive. So by 2008, I was like, I had to get these two books out, and I had to find a way to get it done, and I prayed about it. Notice the next thing that you do is you pray. You've got a plan, and you write it out, but then you must pray. If you don't pray, how are you going to know what your direction is? So I prayed about it. I said, I don't know at the time. I didn't have the money. I was a single parent raising two children, right? I worked full time. And so my resources, you would say, are mostly consumed with raising children, right? And allocating those resources to them. But I told myself that I held myself accountable to my dream. I held myself accountable that this was my dream that I wanted to do and that it was going to be good for all of us. So if it meant that I had to work harder, if it meant that I had to do more consulting then and spend more time away, then I had to manage myself, manage what was around me to make it work. So many times some of us have dreams and visions. We just don't plan and we don't execute. And then you have to learn to manage it so that it does not become a burden. Here we are on this last Sunday of the decade. Your dream should not be a burden to you and your family. You have to manage it, right? Somebody keeps saying something. Hey, wish you a happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> I'm so excited about the new year. Happy new year. May all your dreams come true, everybody. I just want to put that out there. May all your dreams come true for this next year. I wish you all the best. And I hope that whatever you have on your heart, that that's what comes true for you, right? And so in, so in 2008, I was planning. I was in full stream planning. I wrote it out, what I was going to do. I prayed about it. I prayed for direction. Then the next thing you have to do is to wait for the answer. If you have faith and you believe that when you pray, your prayer is going to be answered, then you must what? You have to wait for it. So I waited. So here comes 2009. By this time, I had lost my full-time job. <laughs> I was in transition. I finally met with what it takes, what is called now the independent contractor. It was a novel concept at the time because everybody had a full-time job. Harriet was just getting acclimated and acquainted with being a, 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 an independent contractor, which means you sign a contract for a specified time and you agreed upon an agreed sum. So that meant I had to be responsible for my own health care and so on. Well, the, me being the eternal optimist that I am, looked at it from the perspective that, okay, since I'm not tied down to, to hours, right? Then that gave me more freedom to do, to have more mobility in my time and to earn more money. So I said, well, since, 
you know, I'm only on contract for you, then I can go consult. So it, what it actually did was it freed me up so that I made more money because I needed to get the next set of books out. You see what I'm saying? I'm just helping you to get to where you want to be. So what I did was at first it seemed I was very, it was treacherous. I mean, you mean I won't have a steady paycheck? I can't, I have bills to pay. I have to feed my children. We have to live somewhere, you know, that kind of question. But then I had to learn. It was practice for what was coming. I had to learn to what? Let go. And it literally was, a friend of mine explained it like this. It literally was me trying to walk on water. That's what it was. So, you know, you're going on water. You're like, oh, my God. If you look down, you can see the depth of the sea, and it's crystal clear. But if you look ahead, you see the horizon. You see the finish line. So I had to tell myself, there might be storms. It might be rocky, but I'm going to walk on water. And that's literally what I did. I walked in water. So 2009 came around because I had prayed and believed and had faith. Because I was doing the work, I put myself in the situation where opportunities were going to come. So when I learned to discern what an opportunity is, sometimes we miss it, not because we don't know, but because we don't know what opportunity looks like. Sometimes opportunity does not come gift wrapped. Anybody knows what I mean by that? Opportunity rarely ever comes gift wrapped. It's never prettied and gusted up. It never looks like a gift that somebody just literally hands to you. Sometimes opportunity comes and it just looks like it's more work. Sometimes opportunity comes from the least expected sectors. Sometimes opportunity comes in a way that you least expect it. Sometimes opportunity comes on your worst day, your worst hair day, the worst day the car broke down, the, this, you lost your job. Sometimes opportunity comes in unexpected ways. You have to learn to look at life as if every obstacle is not an obstacle. Some obstacles are opportunities in disguise. In this next decade, in 2020, that's the year of the vision. That's the year of vision. That's the decade of vision. It's manifestation time. This is going to be the year for everything that you have planned and worked for. You've built the foundation, set the stuff up. Now it's time to see it happen. You have to know when opportunity, what opportunity looks like. I'm so glad when I didn't have a full-time job. They actually fired me for some stupid reason from a full-time job that I had that I was glued to. I was literally chained to that reality. When I became an independent contractor for someone else, it set me up. For, for success, because now I could say, well, on this day, I'm available between this hour and this hour because I have a radio show interview to do. They would know, but that's what was going on. Or I had to go speak somewhere. It, it gave me so much more mobility that I joined a speaker's bureau locally, right? And I knew that what I was doing, in order to become a paid speaker, I had to do what? Volunteer my time out. So I joined a local speakers bureau just to get my name out there, right? So people know that I exist and people know what my skill sets are. So I joined the speakers bureau and they put me around the state to talk about ending violence against women and girls. I became the poster child. I enjoyed it. And because I was an independent contractor, which first at first looked like an obstacle, but it was really an opportunity in disguise, it set me up 
there I was going around the state talking about it, getting my name associated with it so much so that years later when the time came, people would say, go call this girl. Do you see what I mean? Sometimes opportunities look like obstacles and we have to know how to unlock them. But how do you know that? It's a combination of skills, wisdom, and experience. It's a combination of faith and belief and a fervent faith that somehow this is going to work for my good. There's a scripture in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8 and 38. It says, all things work together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. I was pretty sure that I was called according to his purpose and that all things were going to work together. I really didn't like the idea that I had to be an independent contractor because that meant that there was a clause in the contract that if at any time they want to cancel it, they can cancel it. But at the same time, it freed me up and it set me up so I could charge a higher rate than if I were working full time. I said, well, now you have to cover me because what if you change your mind one Friday morning when you wake up? It freed me up. Say, free you up, free you up. In this next decade, you need to be free. You need to be free in your mindset. You need to look at problems from a freed perspective. No more chains holding you down. So often what we do is allow ourselves to be confined to one way of thinking that this is the way to get to my dream. And if it doesn't work this way, then it's not going to work. No, you need to free your mind. Like I was explaining to someone yesterday, the way to your dream is not always linear. Did you know that? It's not always a straight line. Sometimes it has curves and you go around the mountain. You can see the mountain. You see the finish line. But to get there, you'll find that you're maneuvering around it because the, the finish line is always in sight. The finish line is always ever in front of me. But sometimes I have detours that go round and round and round. And it frustrates you because sometimes you go around the same block three or four times and you're like, what on earth is going on? But as we go into this next decade, we must have faith, we must pray, we must believe. But we must free our minds. We must be able to execute. We must be able to manage those things that come against us. I, w I was an independent contractor. I still had small children. My children were in uh, middle school. Well, one was in high school and one was in uh, elementary school. In two different school districts, I was stretched thin. But at the end of the day, by the time I got home, I had to drop them off, then go back to work. Right? And then after I came home, I had to cook dinner, right? Make sure they were bathed and did their homework, you know, the usual parenting stuff, talk to them and so on at the dinner table. That's important. Managing your stuff so it didn't get away from you. In the midst of doing this, you can't let the important things get away, like family. You can't be so focused on your dreams that you lose the one thing that you value the most your family. It was very important to me to keep my children together, especially because I was their only parent. I was divorced. I had no support. I had no financial nor emotional support. That meant that if one had something to do, an extracurricular, and one had something to do, I was split in both ways. I would drop one off and go take the other one and then drive back and forth like crazy. Yeah, it happened. Do you see what I'm saying? But I had to manage it so that the children would have a modicum 
of some sort of normalcy that the one parent they had was not going to leave them. I still had my dream to work with. I still wanted to get to my finish line. But it was also important to make them get to their finish line. They had to be able to do well in school so they could get to college. They had to have some semblance of emotional stability. I knew that. So I was busy trying to get everything together and hold it together. Hold it together. Did you hear me? Hold it together. You have to be able to hold it together. It's not always going to be a smooth and paved path. I learned that it was never smooth. It wasn't always smooth. It was not always predictable. Just like in losing my full-time job, what was lost was what? The predictability of income. I had to learn to let go. It was kind of a gentle way of breaking me into the area where eventually I have to figure out how I'm going to make money. Right? And it was a gentler way of doing it. In this next decade, the year of vision and manifestation, you're going to have to learn to do that. Because you won't be able to sit on the fence because you will watch someone else taking your dream. I had to learn to be bold in asking for what I wanted. And whatever didn't suit me or didn't serve me, I had to let it go. In fact, I was part of a church. And when it didn't work for me anymore, when they didn't see me as growing and when they didn't see what they didn't suit my purposes anymore, I had to let it go and to be prepared for the fallout. There are some people whom you're going to have to let go of. There are some people who do not belong on your team. You do realize that, right? You've been questioning it. You've been asking questions, right? And you're like, I'm not sure, Harriet, is this going to be what I have to deal with? Yeah. There are some people whom you're going to have to let go of. Practice. Start practicing. Take a deep breath. And practice is going to be okay. Many of the people whom I started the decade with are not with me now. In fact, they are gone. It was the process of attrition. I've been saying it for some time that the air at the top is very rarefied. The air at the top is thin. Have you ever wondered when people say you get to the top and it's so different? It is. For me to get to where I am now, there were a lot of people who were just baggage. They were just baggage. They didn't serve me. They didn't suit me. And when people start showing you who they are and they start acting out, let them go. That means their season and their time in your life has come to an end. Many of those people, they're not here now. Started the decade with them and they're not here now. And I know many of them are sitting back and they're watching. And they're probably saying, look at her. But that's okay, because when they started acting out, it was time for them to go, right? Absolutely. In this next decade, you're going to have to learn to let some people go. When they start acting out, just let them go. I promise you it's going to be all right. And a lot happened in the last 10 years. And if the last 10 years is anything to go by, you can almost predict what your next 10 years are going to be. So if you have set the base, and made the plan, this is the year and the decade of manifestation. It's going to be awesome. 
It's going to be super. It's going to be uber. Uber is super in German, right? It's going to be the greatest because you have laid the foundation. I took all the risks. They didn't always look like they panned out. I'm a risk taker. So sometimes when I take risks, it doesn't always work the way that I think it would work. But I'm a believer in all things work together for my good. So sometimes I have to take a long-term view of the situation. So even though in the short term, I think it's going to work quickly, it actually, I set myself up for a longer-term view. In this next decade, do not be bothered by quick results. If it doesn't come quickly, don't worry about it. Keep trying, keep doing it. Because in the end, you are going to win. In the end, you are going to make it. As long as you're committed to your vision, and as long as you're committed to accomplishing what you know that you've been set out to do, then you're going to make it. Just keep doing the work. So many people come to me. It amazes me. You go out somewhere and people come to you and say, I want to write a book. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. You want to write a book. Does that is it because you saw someone else who has written a book, or is that something that you? Because there's a difference to the person who says I want to write a book, or somebody who says I've written a book, and they say it so quietly. That's the one whom I turn to and I say, "Tell me more." The person who says I want to write a book has just expressed the desire. That doesn't mean they're committed to it. Show me. This is going to be the decade of the show me. You're going to see the manifestation of what I've been doing for the last 10 years. It's the show me decade, the year of vision, the decade of vision. So many people, we've lost that. So many people want to do something, but they're not doing the work. But they expect to reap the results. It's like a kid goes to college, right? They all year, all semester long, where have they been? They've been absent, they didn't study, they didn't really read, they didn't study. And at the end of the semester, they expect the professor to give them a passing grade. And the professor is like, you showed me who you were. You were not interested in being in class. (laughs) So how do you expect at the end of the semester to get a passing grade? This is the decade of show me. It's going to be manifest. You're going to see it in real time. And for those of us who have spent the last decade doing the work, hands up to you because you're going to see it. You're going to see the full-fledged manifestation of your vision. And I just praise God for it and thank him in advance. Because when the decade started, there are a couple of things that happened along the way that I didn't plan for. There are some things I didn't expect. But now that I can look back over it, I can honestly say all things have worked together for my good. At the time, it didn't feel good. At the time, it didn't even feel right. At the time, it didn't even feel like I was going to make it. Lots of people came and went. Everybody had something to say. But I had to stay true to myself. People laughed and made fun of me. I kid you not. They said, oh, she's crazy. They called me a Jesus freak. My own family members, they're like, 
I remember one year in in this past decade, I had a Volvo. And I had an accident one morning on my way to a church service. If you can believe that, on icy roads. Sucked. Yes, it did. And when I called a sister to come and help me, to pick me up, just to take me to, uh, I wanted to go to, uh, uh, what do you call that, To, to go rent a car? You know what she said? She said, your problem is you don't have a man. Your problem is you're a Jesus freak and you need a man. I kid you not. (laughs) The thing is, that was not my goal. My goal was to do what? Was to publish my books and be on the international stage. My goal was not to have a man. That may have been good for them. So is it any wonder today that the two do not walk together? You've got to find people whom you walk together with who are on the same page as you. When you are surrounded by people who are not thinking as you think and who are not on the same page, you're in the wrong crowd. I said to myself, but these are family. Okay, so maybe I don't have to put up with them. Maybe I don't have to, you know deal with them because they're family. They're always going to be there. But at the same time, I don't have to do what? Commiserate with them. I don't have to share my ideas with them. I don't have to explain myself. You've got to be careful in this next decade. Make sure that you don't find yourself setting your pearls before swine. Make sure you're not finding yourself explaining things to people who have no capacity to understand what you're about. Make sure that you don't surround yourself with people and you find yourself constantly pouring out to people who cannot fathom what you're talking about. For years, I felt like such a misfit in my family. They could not understand why I had this dream and why I was pursuing this goal because they didn't have one. Their goal was just to go on vacation and have a drink and go to the next party. That was nothing to me. Isn't that a time, don't you go from glory to glory? Don't you go from one to the other? There was a time when that was good, but it wasn't in this last decade. Can you imagine what's going to happen in the next decade? So you're going to have to find people and pray about it. Let them reveal themselves. And when they start revealing themselves, that "Mm -hmm, don't try to hold on, wish them well, and let them go. Because you have to allow, you have to clear the space for the right people to come in. Say this after me. Right people, right person, say it. Right time, right place. You need those three things in this next decade. That's always a requirement for the job that you have to do. You need the right people in the right place at the right time. If you don't have the right people, then they're going, you're not going to get to where you want to be. You're going to be frustrated. If you always have to be explaining yourself to people, if you always have to be telling someone what you should do, get rid of it. Get over it. Find the right people. And if somebody disappoints you, okay, their season and their time is done, keep it moving. Like I told you, a lot of the people whom I started the decade with, I have not, I don't even know where they are. I can't even remember some of them. They were so filled with negativity. They were so filled with jealousy and hatred because my goals were always bigger. I learned early on not to confess my goals. People, 
Can you keep it on the wrap? Can you make sure that the whole world doesn't know what your goals and dreams are? Before you open your mouth to share your goal with someone, make sure that you know who they are. Are they a trusted source? Are they someone who is likely to encourage you? First of all, I don't share my goals with people who haven't achieved anything. <laughs> That's the first thing. I have to, if I'm going to share my dreams with someone, I have to look at you. What have you done? If you haven't done anything, then how can you help me? How can you offer me perspective? How can you show me? How can you encourage me? So it's either they have done something or they love you enough to support you. Sometimes what you find is that people don't understand you because they don't love you enough. So they can't support you because they can't relate. Sometimes they're afraid that if you succeed, you will be ahead of them. So they discourage you. This is why you have to be careful who you partner with. Be careful whom you marry. Marriage in our culture is a short-term situation. It should not be. Make sure of who you marry because whom you marry is tantamount to your success. If you're married, I heard a man say the other day when he was getting married 10 years ago when he proposed to the woman he loved, he said what he found over time was that she was saying, yes, baby, you can do it. Let's find a way to do it. He said when he looked at his friends who married other people, they were always complaining that, you know, their wives would discourage them and say, no, you can't do it. Where are you going to find the money from? They never got anything done. So he had to give thanks for the wife that he had. Make sure that you marry the right person. And let me help you out. For some of us, it's a lonely journey. Living with it. Couldn't find the right partner. Couldn't find the person who understood why I had to do it the way I did. There were many ways to get it. I chose to do it this way, the right way. I didn't sleep around. Many people in my position, they slept with everybody. Recently, I heard of a woman who is a famous preacher, well-known, and there was a text message, a group text message being floated around about how many men she slept with and pictures. And I said to she's famous, well-known throughout the world. And I said to myself, at the cost of my self-esteem and my dignity, that was not me. I could have done the same thing. I would have been equally on the same stage with her. But it wasn't me. You see what I'm saying? Be careful. Protect your integrity. Guard your integrity. Keep it real. Right? It took me longer, but my integrity is intact. Like I told a preacher some time ago, they will tell you that I don't sleep around. They will tell you that I don't play around. I'm not that one. But if you want someone to deliver truth, then I am that person. Do you see what I'm saying? And it doesn't always jive with the circumstances because people want to want you malleable. They want you how they can use you. When they can't use you and they can't roll you the way they want to, then they will say bad things about you. Keep it moving. Nonetheless, the goals, the goals, the goals, the dreams, focus on that. Surround yourself with the right people. Find them. Pray about it. Learn to discern people. Have you ever heard that? Learn to discern who someone is. 
when people are talking, shut up and listen. They're going to tell you who they are in a minute. Listen. Just listen. They're talking, listen. Spend the time around them. See how they are. People trying to get to know you and come into your circle. Look at them. Well, exactly what are you here for? What's your goal? What are you depositing? What will you leave here that I will have to go to therapy for? (laughs) What will you leave me with? (laughs) Right? What will you leave me with that I'm going to require intense therapy to overcome? Ask yourself that question. People come into our lives for reasons and seasons. I keep saying this. Your life is like a train. You're on a journey. You have a destination. Along the way, you pick up people. You pull into stations. And people come on and people get off. Just watch it. You are in control. You're riding the train. Watch them as they come and as they go. Don't get too caught up. When people start acting out, make sure that you know, you see it. It's an indicator of things to come. So it guides you and it keeps you. And the last thing I want to talk about is make sure you set your goals. What are your goals? Now that we've talked about all the ways to execute, what are your goals? Keep them ever present in your mind, if at all possible. When I was setting up, uh, when I wanted to go on radio, I used lipstick. I wrote on my bathroom mirror what my goals were. It stayed on there for about two years until I went on radio. I kid you not, from 2007 to 2009. I kid you not. Write the vision out. I wrote it on my bathroom mirror. To this day, I still write stuff down. Yes, I keep an electronic calendar like everyone else, but I still write stuff down. If I have a meeting to go to and there's something at that meeting that I want to achieve, I write it why I'm going to the meeting. Besides that meeting to discuss, blah, blah, blah. Write the vision and make it plain. What are your goals? Set some goals. Incorporate in those goals the chance that you have to have some faith. You must believe. You must pray. Today, they refer to prayer as meditation. And I know it's not popular to be a Christian, and I can't blame anybody. We have, as Christians, we have fulfilled a message of oppressive, repressive, fundamentalism, religious, religiosity that does not support people nor make anyone feel good about anything. And it has been wrong, and I apologize. We have ostracized, vilified, and victimized people in the name of religion. That's not faith. We have not entered into the New Testament part of the Bible. We haven't entered into the age and the dispensation of grace. And until we do, we suck. (laughs) Let this next decade be the decade of dispensation of grace. Be more gracious, more graceful to people. Doesn't mean you bow down before anybody. It just means that you're more accepting that people are human. And we do things sometimes that no one likes. But how does the creator look at? What does the creator have to say? Well, there is a book called the Bible. Read it in the New Testament. The Old Testament, they tried all that 
religiosity and repressive oppression, and it beat up people. So they have to change it. That's why they created the dispensation of grace. And God said, let's do it this way now. A lot of people don't like that because they still want a form of manipulation and control. That's why churches are empty and people feel all, you know, feel ostracized because they don't, they, you can't relate. The stuff you are going through in your everyday life, they don't try to make it transparent and relevant. They still want to control and manipulate you into the traditions of men. That does not happen. I invite you to visit with me in the dispensation of grace. We're going to uncover that in 2020. You're going to find, as you listen to me, you're going to find how different it is to have an open mindset, and that is exactly how it was designed to be. You may never find me at a church near you. You may never find me on a religious station near you. You know why? Because I preach a different message of inclusivity, not exclusivity. I preach a message of understanding and of grace. They don't want that. They want the manipulation and control. It's a different season. Make this this year of vision a different season. So as we enter in, and as we go into this year, there are some things that I want you to be mindful of. There are some things that I want you to keep in mind. And there are some things I want you to be prayerful about. Can I just draw your attention to those? Even as you peruse your own personal goals of what is it that you want as an individual to achieve, might I draw you to some societal situation that we should pay attention to? As you deliberate and meditate and pray on your own personal goals, can I just ask you to consider these things? We have a problem with human trafficking worldwide. Economic Disparities have created a vacuum where people worldwide are moving into other areas. They present an opportunity for people who are interested in the harvesting of human organs and in this free labor service of human beings. Can I ask you to pray about that? Can I ask you to be mindful about that? Can I ask you to look into that? Within human trafficking, comes, of course, we're humans, sex trafficking, and especially to vulnerable people, young children, boys and girls, women up to the age of 35. People are being taken from other lands and being used in domestic servitude and being forced into sexual slavery. Even right now as we speak, can I just ask you to be mindful of that and support organizations like my own that provides services and relief to victims who are in those situations. Can I ask you to look at the political conflicts around the world? There are war zones forever and a day. What happens to those people in war zones? They present the greatest opportunities for vulnerability and oppression, don't they? Can I ask you to pray about that? Can I ask you to look at the situation even within our own country? at the political spectrum and ask you to pray about it so we keep the peace and keep our democracy intact. Can I ask you to pray about that? Can I ask you to pray about weather catastrophes that are wreaking havoc on people's lives worldwide? The earth seems to be spinning out of control. Weather patterns are disrupted. 
It was Christmas Day in Detroit, Michigan, in Michigan, a state in the upper Midwest of the United States, in the Northern Hemisphere, and it was 52 degrees on Christmas Day. That's a problem. That's a weather phenomenon that presents a weather catastrophe later on in the year. Can I ask you to pray about it? Can I also ask you to pray right where you are for your own city, your own region, your own state? Pray for the people who are leaving. Pray for peace. And finally, can I ask you to pray that there will be no mass shooting in the next year, in the next decade. Can I ask you to pray about that? That people will not find it mindful of them to pick up a gun as a form of expression and go into public spaces and shoot innocent people just because they're so angry and so consumed with anger that they're going to take it out on innocent people. Can I just ask you to pray about that? Meditate. On these things. The Bible says, if anything be pure, think on these things. As we enter into this next decade, let us think on things that are good, things that are pure, things that are filled with love. Let us be mindful one to another. Let us drop the mantle of racism and the oppressiveness that comes with racism. Let us drop separatism. Let's drop classism and every kind of ism that becomes a schism. Let us be mindful of all of this. Can we just pray about it? In this next decade, I just pray. I got to go. I have less than 10 seconds. I pray for peace. I pray for love one to another. I pray that everything you dream of for this next decade will be made manifest and that as we enter into this new year, December 31st, 2019 ends with grace and the year of grace and dispensation begins January 1st, 2020. I pray love and peace and joy and wealth and health and prosperity on all of you, on all of us. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, be set within our hearts that we become mindful one to another for all the grace that we need. I thank you so much for joining me on this Sunday morning. Be blessed, everybody. Love you. See you tomorrow. Bye. I got to go. They're, they're wrapping me up. Bye, everybody. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Thank you so much for being a part of my show this morning. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Have a great and happy new year. It is the year of vision and manifestation, and I look forward to your continued support. This is Harriet Kemmock with Down to Earth. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.